0: All right, welcome to the Avery Ventures podcast. I'm Ryan Avery. And I'm Tanya Avery. Today on the podcast, we have Jim Hoffman from Hoffman Boots in Kellogg, Idaho.
1: Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So we'll jump right in because all of our time precious here. It says on your website, you're a fourth generation bootmaker. Can you kind of take us from the beginning to, to date and a kind of quick quick synopsis of how that came sure. to fruition and where you guys are at, where you're, where you're at now?
1: Yeah. So... The fourth and third, uh, I I should say, the previous generations, the first and second generations, were typically in shoe repair and shoe stores. And so um, that was basically the first two generations. My dad and his two brothers moved from California in 1973 up to Idaho. At that time in California, worked at a shoe repair store with with my grandpa, Um, they wanted to kind of get out of the California scene like everybody else seems to do. And um, anyway, bought a shoe repair shop in Kellogg, Idaho. And at the time, the logging industry was really strong in northern Idaho. And that kind of brought on, I guess, the manufacturing of logging boots at that time. And part of that was pack boots, of course, when the guys are working in the wintertime and just wanted to be warmer. Uh, they came looking for something other than just all other boots. At that time, what what years was that? That was in 1973 when they moved here.
0: Was there a lot of other like competition in the northern Idaho area for that?
1: Not in the logging area. Um, there was a completely different type of cork boot back then called a drive cork, which mm-hmm. was basically a, a nail that was nailed into the bottom of a leather sole. Wow. So... Um, a much more complicated way to build a cork boot. My dad came up with the idea of building a cork boot with replaceable corks. And um, that kind of still holds true today. Most most manufacturers that do corks use that replaceable cork that my dad started with back in 73.
2: So did he like patent that or anything?
1: No, no. Shoot. It's just, uh, we, and, and truthfully, most of the corks that are still done out there are done by us now. So mm-hmm. we, Really? Oh, by far. Yes, by far.
0: So you came out to logging in the '70s, started making the boots. Did it? When did when did the hunting kind of jump into that?
1: The hunting kind of has been more recently. Um, we've built pack boots for what is it? Almost forty five years now. Mm-hmm. But our pack boots have always been built for loggers and linemen. Those two have been our. Uh, our prevailing customer that's the ones we mainly build boots for um a lot of those guys use our pack boots for hunting also right. and it's kind of to recently we've kind of been looking for another growth engine for our company and the hunting line being that both my brother and i love to hunt right uh, it was kind of a natural fit for us and so we've kind of morphed into a hunting uh fields also i guess so so that's been something we've been trying to expand upon in the last 10 years or so.
0: Yeah, because the login side definitely isn't probably holding up anymore.
1: You know, the funny thing is, if you look at our numbers from back in the 80s to now, we still sell equivalent amount of boots that we did at that point. It's just that everybody else... Has gotten out of the business and we've kind of taken over that mm-hmm. part. You of mean
0: it. the logging side has continued on? Side. Really? That's oh, surprising.
1: Yeah. We still go through a lot of corks, believe it or not. And it's not just logging, it's tree planting, it's reforestation, it's thinning, it's things like that that guys are using corks for.
0: No kidding. And you guys also, on your, you guys have a pretty, probably fair size of customers from the fire side? Is that?
1: uh we do um it's a business that we have kind of not pursued a whole lot because there's the knicks and there's the whites and there's some of the big traditional wildland firefighting companies out there um that being said we are going to be introducing a new wildland mountaineering style boot here hopefully next year so it's something we were we are looking at trying to get back into a little bit more but um you kind of pick your niches, you know, and ours right. ours has been the lineman and the logging, and and now getting back into hunting a little bit. So,
0: and there's also a little bit of military mixed into that.
1: Yes, we do build some climbing boots for the military, also. Yeah, and that that business seems to actually be growing too. So, huh, that's kind of, that's just crazy.
2: So, circle back um, to the the hunting boots that you guys have started to do. Um, is did you guys? Just collaborate on that and decide that you needed a boot that was going to, you know, keep people's feet warm, plus also be lighter weight than the standard boot or what, what um, thought process went into well, that? Well, it
1: was, yeah, it was, it's a lot of that. It's, um, they're, they're very much interchangeable as far as a pack boot. When you build a logging pack boot or a lineman pack boot, the components are basically the same. You've got a leather upper with a rubber bottom. So it was just a matter of getting the right type of soling for a hunter versus mm-hmm. a lineman or a logger. So we already had the knowledge. You know, we've been doing it longer than any company out there as far as the, the major players at you know that are in our industry now. We've been doing it longer than anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just we haven't specialized in that area or haven't really uh, built the rubber bottom for that. But now we've we've kind of came around full circle again, mm-hmm. and now we're we're doing that also. So gotcha. Okay.
0: It's it's funny to me how you say that you've been doing that all along. One of the first ones because you guys seem to be always the last people brought up to the party. Mm-hmm. But when you guys do come in, there's a lot of people that come in and support you guys. I'm talking on the rock slide aspect of it. It's, you know, there's been lacrosse and now either sneeze and there's Kennetrek and there's, you know, Sorrell's forever had been doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I grew up in North Idaho, so I knew you guys were there the whole time, but it's funny to see it from the outside looking in. Right. But when you do get brought up, it's always pretty much glowing reviews.
1: Right. Right.
0: right. On, on that note, what, just from the rock slide crowd, we have Schnees and we have Kennetrek, and we have a little bit of this, that and the other, and you guys. What if you were somebody's calling you and asks you why they should buy your boot over those other boots, and I'm not knocking on those brands at all. No. Nope, nope. What why would they buy a Hoffman over, say, the other pack boots right, out on the market?
1: Right. Well, I would I would compare ours to a, a Kennetrek and a Snays and ours. I think you're all you're gonna get a good pack boot no matter what. Those are all three good companies, and you're not going to go wrong with any of your choices. Um, there's a few differences. You know, we still have stayed to the seven, seven-and-a-half-ounce leather, which is the heavier leather, which, if I'm not mistaken, everybody used at one point. Um, as leather costs have gone up, I see where they're dropping down to their six, six and a half. And so it, it, that's just a little bit of a cost detail versus quality. Gotcha. Um, our rubber shells, like I say, are very similar. They come out of the same factory, and so I know that we can uh, compounds and whatnot are very similar. You're going to get some different tractions or whatnot, um, but as far as um, comparable, they're very comparable. Um, our liner systems are all. If you look at us all, we all use the Thinsulate wool Cambrel liners. They're all the basically the same types of liners that mm-hmm. would go into those boots. So there's a lot of similarities between them. I, if I was going to sell a customer, I would sell them this way. Is Look at the materials in the boot. You're going to see a lot of similarities. Secondary, look at the price. And that's probably the biggest thing that we fight out there is a guy will look at my pack boot and a guy will look at a a competitor's pack boot and say, why are yours $80 less for the same height of boot? Mm -hmm. That's something that, you know, it's funny how many times I hear that is your boot is cheaper. Why? Why? And it's a simple fact that hey, I still build these here in Kellogg, Idaho. I don't import the uppers. Some companies are now. I'm not gonna say names, but some companies are. They import the uppers and the bottoms. We build every pair in Kellogg, Idaho, so I know our costs are just as much, it's not greater. We just don't mark our boots up as high.
0: So they're coming, they get a whole boot already made from overseas?
1: You can get the upper made and the lower of the rubber shell and sew them together here in the States
0: okay so you guys get
1: the rubber shell but you're making the whole upper we make the uppers here in gotcha. Idaho, every one of them yeah so and so are,
2: you're are they advertising that like sewn in the US or are they so
1: constructed constructed yeah little
2: yeah. word play there just yep, to,
1: for sure and there's a lot of companies that do it and it's mm-hmm. not just in the pack boot market it's sure. in the um, it's in the leather boot market big time yeah a lot of you bet it yeah. is yeah
0: you talked a little bit earlier before we started that you guys have two different kinds of bottoms do you want to talk about that or no
1: well we have two factories we use um our factory um that we use is the same factory that our competitors used on our guides and our mountaineer boots um good quality leather or good quality rubber excuse me uh but it's uh it's not the best quality rubber the best quality rubber that we use is our pro series and those come out of malaysia um we do a thin slate and a felt brand of that also but they um I really, it really comes down to how often the customer uses their boots. You know, when I, Mm -hmm. when I get a customer calls and says, you know, I'm going to be in these boots six months out of the year, every darn day, like our loggers or our linemen in the winter time, I want them in our pro series bottoms because those will never crack. They're just a fantastic rubber. The other ones are good, especially for a hunter who might be in them, you know, two months out of the year. Those are more than adequate for what they're doing. But it's a different clientele when I'm talking about a hunter and a guy that's in them six months out of the year with corks on the bottom of right. You know, I want them in the best bottom. And that's going to be the ones that come out of Malaysia. Gotcha.
2: And so then people can actually call and talk to you and troubleshoot what they need. You bet. That is, that is also different from a lot of
1: I talk to companies. a lot of people and I yeah. don't mind that one bit. Yeah. I talk, Daily, I talk to people who call in and ask for me, which is just fine. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It seems
0: like that Pack boots are relatively simple, but man, there's a lot of people that don't understand them. It's, yeah. It seems to me, just reading stuff on Rockside and on the internet, period.
1: Yeah. Well, and pack boots have gone away a little bit, per se, because the insulated leather boots have gotten so much better. Right. But there's still a lot of pack boot fans out there and guys who, you know, want that rubber shell around the foot, yeah. Uh, You know, just feel more protected with water, slush, whatnot, than a leather boot. And it is easier on a, you know, if you take a good, high-quality leather hunting boot and expose them to that wet-dry process constantly, that's really hard on the leathers, on any boot. So, a pack boot does kind of prolong the use of a $400 hunting boot, per se, in, in those types of conditions. So.
0: On that note, I pulled some questions off rocks that I just had over the last couple of years, and the rebuild process. What is that t- turnaround time? What's the average price on that?
1: Yeah, so in our hunting style boots, like the Mountaineer and the Guide, typically that's going to run you eighty-five dollars to replace the rubber shell on it with a brand new one. Uh, Time-wise, depending on the time of the year, it's going to be anywhere from three to seven days. I would say it would be very average in our in our building. Really, yeah.
2: Is there a number of times that you can rebuild like one pair, or is as it... long
1: as the leathers treated uh, correctly with boot boot oils and whatnot? I've I've done guys' boots three to four times. You know, I've seen guys that have sent boots back after one time and they just have not taken care of the leather. So it really depends on how much care the leather's given. So Take care there... of the leather several times for sure.
2: What is your recommendation on that? Like, is there a special product that you recommend over? In-
1: yeah, so we use we use our own boot dressing, the Hoffman brand. It, I'm not going to make up things. It's made by Openoffs, who mm-hmm. builds our dressing. We think it's the best out there. Um, it's going to say Hoffman boots on it. And there's other companies I know they build it for also. Uh, none of us boot manufacturers have a magic recipe. We whip up in the back, you know. Oh, it's gosh. we're using somebody's product.
2: I was so disillusioned. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so
2: it, I mean, after like each time of being in the woods. Or just every season?
1: like
2: how often? I'm, I'm, putting I'm on terrible the spot at
1: now. it. Yeah, I am. Um, I typically will do mine after every hunting season. Um, it, if you're in them a lot, I always tell guys, feel the leather. Mm-hmm. You can feel the the oil in the leather. And when it starts feeling really dry and you're running your finger down it and it doesn't want to move, it just kind of starts sticking to the leather, they're dry. And mm-hmm. so then you want to, that's typically an indication to oil them. Okay. Yeah.
2: Sounds good.
0: Alright, next question. It's a sizing question. You only run in full sizes, so what's the recommendation? If they're a half to go to the next, or how yeah, do you usually so do that?
1: Typically, on, a, on and that's something if you look online or look in our catalog, they'll be guiding, uh, guiding uh, little bullets in there how to do that. Uh, typically on a Thinsulate pack, and it's true for most Thinsulate packs, you're going to bump up. If you're that size, nine you you're going to bump up to a 10. Mm -hmm. The felt packs generally run a little bigger, and part of that is when you put a big felt liner in there, that felt compresses over time, and you'll end up picking up more room in the boot. So when I fit fit a felt pack, I want that boot to be a little bit snug on the sides to start. Mm -hmm. And once that guy wears that a few times, they'll actually start picking up room in the boot because the felt will compress. So...
0: And another on that felt Thinsulate, the misconception is your boots, if they have a felt liner, you can't not run a Thinsulate and vice versa. That's
1: pretty true. Yeah, because the circumference of those bottoms are quite a bit different because of the liner. Um, The felts are a lot thicker, so there's going to be a little bit more room in those felt bottoms. So if I try to put a Thinsulate liner in a boot that's designed to hold a felt liner, it's going to be pretty loose in there.
0: If a guy knows he's going to run the 400 gram, should he take that in consideration on the insulate over 200 gram all the time or does it kind of, uh,
1: there's and, a little bit of difference, but not, a, not, a lot. not um, a lot. You'd stay. I would probably stay. Yeah. Especially if you've already bumped up that half a size or whatnot, then I would definitely stay. So all right.
0: that answers those questions. The, the double insulate, what does a double insulation mean?
1: Okay. So when we build that rubber bottom or have that rubber bottom built, um, any of our double insulated packs are going to have the liner that goes into the boot that we add, but in the rubber shell itself, there's 200 grams of thinslate around the whole shell that's sandwiched between the rubber, and then underneath the foot, there's an additional 9 millimeter felt insole that's placed underneath the foot. So, in essence, you have 18 millimeters of felt underneath your foot once we put a liner in, like a felt pa- or a felt liner. So. It's you're getting the insulation from the liner. You're getting the insulation from the rubber shell itself. So that's the double insulating part of it.
0: I know On it's a, this is a hard question because she's going to be different than me and mm-hmm. inactive in your warmest boot, you know, like sitting at a tree stand or whatever. What do you, what temperature wise, I mean, what, yeah. what are those? I, it's I, hard to,
1: I really hate that those question. types of questions. <laughs> right. And the reason is I'll, I'll build a, I'll build a felt pack boot for a guy and he'll tell me he'll do nothing but sweat all day. This next guy will tell me he freezes his foot off in a felt yeah. pack boot. Um, and that's and that kind of goes back to where uh, when White's boots used to build uh, pack boots, they put a um, basically a boots are good at 2 minus 20 degrees or minus 30 degrees and there actually was a lawsuit that became of that because the person got frostbite in the Ooh. boots and not that cold and so, So much of that warmth is dependent on the individual, the circulation, and the sock. Those are three big things. And so it's uh, what might be good for one person. Mm -hmm. You know, I stay plenty warm in our felt packs. I've never had an issue in them. Is that going to be true for everybody? I don't know. But all we can do is say these are the warmest materials that we're using in these. Um, and hopefully it's adequate, but I'm not going to sit there and tell our tell everybody, Hey, our boots are good for minus 30 and have someone go out there and get cold Mm -hmm. and again, call me up, you know, and say, Hey, what happened? Mm-hmm. You can't guarantee that for everybody. Unfortunately, all we can do is put the best components out there, and that's what we try to do.
0: I notice there's no sizing on your or no temperature rise on your no. website, which is no. smart because I see there is temperature on several other ones.
1: Yep, and it's just I've and and you'll and I get those calls. Hey, I got cold in this guy's boot. What do you have that's warmer? You know, told me it's going to be warm enough, but it wasn't. Well, yeah, you get you get that all the time. That's a very common question or, or complaint, I would say, yeah. on, that I hear. So.
2: I, yeah. I mean, totally. Cause I can, my feet are never too hot. Like I don't think ever. And I can wear like, you know, wool socks at work or all day long, even the compression, like up to my knees and everyone's like, guys, your feet sweat. And I'm like, no, nope, they're fine. Yeah, it, But if he did yeah. the same thing, he would be dying.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: My feet sweat bad. Yeah. And
1: if I so. sell you a boot that I'm going to tell you is going to keep you warm to minus 20 degrees right. in a Thinsulate, and you're going to go out there when it's probably 25 degrees, po- you know, plus, mm-hmm. you'll probably be cold in that boot. Right. So how can I sell that boot as a minus 20 degree boot? I just, I don't feel right about doing that. So it's just hard for me to to put that out there with the expectations right. people are going to have. So so
2: when you call Jim and talk to him, you need to say, I run cold, or <laughs> I run hot, or I'm always freezing, or this or that. Like, know yourself and know what is typical for you. That would... Go a long way for helping get yeah. get you into the right yeah. product, for right. sure. And
1: an, an individual has to know themselves. You mm-hmm. know, like you say, if you know you're always cold, air to the side of the warmest boot, which is going to be your 9 millimeter felts. Oh, for sure. They retain heat better. They're going to keep you warmer. Thinsulates are great when you're moving around and keeping mm-hmm. active, but if you're stationary, you want to be in a felt pack. They're going to be the warmest of them. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, air to the side of being warm. If you're, if you're telling me you want a boot for tree stand hunting with a little bit of walking around... You know, tree stand hunting to me is that's sitting still. You're not, you're not generating body heat, you know, air, air to that side, be warm, go felt. You know, that's, that's. Do you have people
2: like, um, start like just because they're in the uh, mentality of ounces and counting every ounce, like try to short themselves when they're shopping for a boot, just because they're in that mindset or do they not even ask that question? Like how much the boots weigh if they're going to be yeah
1: that's a very common question is weight you know that's i think that's always a concern for hunter is weight and so um yeah it does come down to just ounces between everybody's packs out there we're Mm -hmm. all very similar Mm -hmm. um like i say there's not a lot of different components the only thing different is going to be the leather um seven ounce leather going to weigh a little more than six ounce leather six ounce leather probably Mm -hmm. but maybe an ounce you know So so
2: not really worth um
1: they're going to be close yeah (laughs) they're all going to be pretty close yeah yeah
0: another one that was brought up quite a few times is your outback boots with the ankle support Mm -hmm. do i mean what's your thought process on that compared to your like explorers on hiking steep hills or is it
1: yeah i think anytime you go to like an Explore, like our all leather boot um, you're definitely gonna get more support with a full lace-up boot right for sure um the Outback is a pack boot style that has the extra ankle straps that will put more pressure or torque around your ankle area for guys who have a narrower ankle mm-hmm. um, or, or thinner leg. It works quite well, so um, yeah, that's that's kind of where that top originated from, was just guys that were having gotcha. issues with narrower legs or ankles or whatnot.
0: Same on the same topic. Can people order that on any of your pack boots? Because that was, that was like two different questions <laughs> the
1: guy was asking. Yes, yes, they can. It does become a special order. Right. I'll build them anything they want. I don't care color-wise or whatnot. Whatever the customer wants, we'll build. <laughs> it's just if it's out of our normal realm of what we're selling, it will become a special makeup. So non-returnable type thing. But we can definitely do it. We do, we do the Outback quite a bit yeah we do that quite a bit all on right some models.
0: his name was jim also so jim there's your there's the answer because he wanted the double insulated with that ankle thing i was like i'll
1: ask yep. him no nope, we can do it for sure
0: all right um 10 12 or 14 if you're hunting how do how do you tackle that question
1: personal preference yeah. is it yeah it is it's a lot of people don't like I, i'm a 10 inch person i don't like anything touching the bottom of my calves i like my calves Roman free, you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of people like that extra protection of the height. The 14 inches are most popular height overall in the really? pack boot market. Mm-hmm. That being said, overall, when I say overall, I'm talking the logging and the gotcha. lime industry where guys mm-hmm. like that extra protection up on their legs. Um, hunting boot, probably the 12 inch is probably the most common. Wow. Yeah. So,
0: and I'm with you. I, I don't like, heck, I hate even eight inch, you know, like, boots touching right. the calf muscles so right. i'm with you
1: when well, you got to think when you're thinking pack boots too a lot of guys are talking late season and snow mm-hmm. and so having that extra little bit of height there in the snow mm-hmm. sometimes that's kind of nice to have to keeping the snow out of out of the boots or whatnot so so i think that's why more of the taller boots come into play at that time of year versus the you know traditional all leather hunting boots who are eight to ten inch type
0: mm. all right switching gears a little bit you've you're a boot maker but you've also started bringing in technical, your Explorer line Mm -hmm. from Europe. Can you guys kind of go through why you guys did that and how they're doing for you? Uh,
1: Explorer line has been fun. It's been growing. Um,
0: You say that with sarcasm or
1: it's been fun? No, I've just, I've enjoyed the heck (laughs) out of trying to, uh, trying to um, add the features and the things that hunters want. And that's why we just did the giveaway on Rock Slide was Mm -hmm. just to, pick guys' brains. What are you looking for? The nice thing for us is I can take the ideas, go to the manufacturer and say, look, this is what we need. And that's what we'll try to build a boot off. And and, we're, and all those comments we got, we'll look at every one of those and we're going to do a tally sheet on every one of those and and try to come up with, hey, these are the most prevalent things that are important to people. Is it the boot height, the insulation? What is it that guys want? So, even though the Explorer line's new to us, the company that's been building them has been building hunting boots for 50, I think it's around 53 years, third generation family. So it's not like a new boot in general, it is Mm -hmm. to us, but this, this guys have been doing what they do for a long time and they know what they're doing. They, they've really built some nice boots. Um, so yeah, it's just been a, and, and the other thing is, is, you know, Mike might say, my brother and I, we're not loggers. We're not linemen. We love to hunt. So this is the first time I've actually got to bill stuff that I get to use a lot. You know, um, I'm not out there with a chainsaw or not out there climbing telephone poles like right. most of our customers, but this is something that we love to do. And this is something that's been kind of a personal project, I guess you'd almost say. So, nice.
0: w- This seems like a simple question, but it's really not. When would you stir a hunter into the pack boots over the explorers or and then throw another caveat the explorers with the insulation in them yeah how because it seems like there's a big i understand if you're probably if you're you know doing any technical sheep kind of country you probably want the explorers right but you know the north idaho you know they're not always you know hunting logging roads right how do you i mean obviously you got to take in questions to give answers but how do you steer people to the right boot?
1: Right, right. I, th- I think a lot of that market is geared towards temperature. Um, your September's, your October's, your early November's before typically it gets real cold. Mm-hmm. I think Mount. I love mountain herring boots. I think they're they're uh, the most functional, the most supportive. Um, Weight wise, they're better. I, I just think that overall they're a better way to go if weather dictates that. When it starts getting cold. Mountaineering boots are. I don't care if you put 200, 400, 600 grams of thin slate in a mountaineering boot. Typically, if you're stationary, a tree stand hunter, a snowmobiler, an ice fisherman, that type of environment, um, you're not going to stay warm in them. You need those heavier liners for that type of temperatures. And that's to me, that's the tipping point. You know, if I if I got a guy that's going to go elk hunting in idaho in october i'm going to put them into a mountaineering boot mm-hmm. if i got a guy that's tree stand hunting you know november december or you know wants to use them as a not only hunting boot but an ice fishing boot or snowmobiling boot i don't want to put them into that type of boot they'll get cold in those so i think you want to go more into a pack style with a warmer Correct. liner they just retain heat better than a than a mountaineering boots going to
0: and there's that middle ground you know where it's
1: that's why you have two pair.
0: Yeah, you're kind of spotting, stocking, <laughs> and then I have never had a, all the way up to a thousand gram Thinsulate, never had a hiking boot, mountaineering boot, keep my feet warm in November around here, Yeah, even when I'm that's a, very active. That's
1: exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's that there's that point where you kind of say, okay, now is the time to, to get into a felt pack or something like that, and is, they'll keep you warmer.
0: What's the difference between a 200 gram Thinsulate hiking boot and a 200 Thinsulate Pack boot. I mean, what's the warmth?
1: Is well, back? there's it's the layering. So you're never going to have just 200 grams of Thinsulate. Right. You're going to have two gram, 200 grams of Thinsulate. You're going to have the wool that backs it. You're going to have the cambrel that backs it. It's just like your, the clothing you wear. When you mm-hmm. start putting three layers of material together, you're going to start you're going to start adding more warmth. Where when I'm doing a hunting boot, we put Thinsulate in there. It's just 200 grams of Thinsulate sandwiched in there, usually next to a waterproof booty or whatnot, but. On a pack boot and, and and typically in a pack boot you're gonna have a little more air around the foot too than a mountaineering boot where you can snug up real tight. So a pack boot you'll usually have a little more air, which usually generates a little bit more of an air pocket of warmth around there. So That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Because yeah, it's night and day difference to me. Mhm. The other question is I've been to your shop, so it's funny to me, do you have shop do you have tours?
1: We do. Um, we'll take some people back if they want to see what we do back there. Cause it is interesting between the, between the lineman boots and the logging boots right. and all the different things that we do. And it is, there is a lot of different things we do there that people don't realize, uh, you know, that we get involved in, but, uh, Um, we'll, we'll do it. I'll set you up. (laughs) Well, you guys are not, I
0: mean, you guys make great boots, but you're not like this humongous corporation either. You guys are small town guys putting out a great product.
1: Yeah. And, and, And a lot of that has to do with the niches that we bid in, you know, unless you were a logger, unless you were a lineman you know, we really did not pursue growth outside of those two areas because we were growing at just as fast as we could keep up with, you know, our growth was happening. And so we didn't really look outside that area too much. So unless you're in those fields, you know, you might not see a hop and boots as much as you would a sneeze or a Kennetrek in the hunting industry because those were the industries they're, they're, you know, targeting. Mm-hmm. We weren't. So now we're kind of taking it to that next level and trying to get into these, this area also. And, uh, Luckily, I think our, our, enough of our customers know our name to trust us and give us a try, and that seems to be what's happening. So,
0: You said you're making a new boot?
1: I'm always making new boots. <laughs> is it a pack boot? Um, or is
0: it a mountaineering boot?
1: Well, I've got... Both? <laughs> yeah, I've got, I'd have to think, because we do have several new things coming out. We do have a new mountaineering uh, cold-weather boot coming out that we're working on right now for next year. Um, and then we're also working on a couple new hiker styles that uh, make more your archery type hunting. Gotcha. So,
2: so more of us. in the
1: in the hunting industry, yeah. And then we have other things we work on constantly for utilities or corporations that we we partner up with. So,
0: can you talk a little more about that cold weather
1: mountain that, room boot? That's what I was going <laughs> to ask. Is that
2: like a? Happy medium between the you know the pack and the mountaineering. That's that's that you what have we're now.
1: aiming for. So it'll be based off our new ten inch hunter series, but uh, we're trying to team up with Thinsulate and Sympatech With Sympatech builds the waterproof booties in our in our footwear. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been experimenting with some insulation, uh, also combined with their waterproof bootie, and they're they're getting really good results out of that. So if we can come up with something like that and hopefully incorporate it with some 600-gram type thinsulate and kind of have a double insulation barrier there. That's that's what we're looking That'd at. That'd be that so, tweener
0: I'm talking about.
1: That's what we're hoping for.
0: Yes, yes, that's what I want to hear.
1: And then there's a new Vibram um, sole coming out, too, that we're uh, we're really excited about. Really? So we'll see where that comes. Yeah, kind of more of a cold-weather hunting-type sole. So it'll uh, so stay a little more flexible.
0: 2020 time frame.
1: Hopefully next fall. Yep.
0: That Simpatec, so that's like a competitor of Gore-Tex.
1: Very much, yeah. So gotcha. Gore, is, Gore is still your number one in footwear. Okay. Sympatec would be number two. Um, Sympatec is just much easier to work with. Gore-Tex can have its challenges working oh, with them. Yeah, I can. I could see that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So last question, I guess, really is the warranty. What's your warranty like?
1: So warranty on any of our products is going to be six months. Um, I think one thing that we're do very we a little more unique at is that I hate timeframes for warranty because I'll get guys who wear their boots every day for six months. I'll get a hunter who might wear them three weeks out of the year and then come back the next year and might have an issue. And I'm not going to tell the guy he's out of warranty, even though it's been a year. How do you tell a guy that? So we base a lot of our warranty off wear. You send us the boot bat, let us see what's going on. If it's something that shouldn't be happening, we're either going to, one, fix it or two, replace it. Um I think we're very fair on warranty and I think we always have been. But it's something that I, I don't like putting time frames on a ninety day or a right. sixty day or whatever. Um people don't use the boots the same way. So how do you give someone the same exact warranty? So wear where tells a That's lot.
0: a very generous warranty because I know one impact boot company in particular that if you wear them outside they're yours.
1: Yeah. So that's
0: very generous warranty.
1: Well, that's, and that's, that's a warranty on an item that would, um, um, you know, if you had an issue with your boot, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you had a D lamb or if you had a hook that pulled out or whatever it would be, we, we definitely want to take care of that boot. So
0: it's not like REI where it's time to rebuild the boot and they want to warranty it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I lied. I got one more question. So you live in North Idaho. You can hunt one animal. Elk, mule deer, whitetails.
1: Elk, all day long. <laughs> That's i <I'm> talking about. <laughs> oh, that was easy and quick and to the point. <laughs> I just like eating elk a lot more. So, yeah. so the delicious.
0: G- Kellogg, I mean, you're four hunters by hunters. There's no fluff there, obviously. No.
1: Yeah, no. Well, we yeah.
0: appreciate your time, Jim. Oh, thank you for having thank me. You. Appreciate thank you. it. That was all fun. Right. Thanks a lot. All right, guys.